0: welcome or welcome back to my top 10 podcast thank you very much for listening in this week it is drummer extraordinaire emily dolan davis i went to see emily in her studio it was lovely to farm out the responsibility for recording and mic placement and all that stuff and i think you'll agree it sounds better than usual so maybe she'll have to Come on every week just to be able to make it sound good. I had a lovely time chatting to Emily but I didn't have a lovely time finding the hotel I stayed in the night before so that I could be near a house so we could get an earlier start. Um, my sat nav took me down a country lane which turned into a thinner country lane which turned into a twistier country lane which turned into a field which turned into another field and another field and another field And I was just driving, blindly listening to the stupid sat-nav, not using any common sense of my own, until I ended up driving, and this is really late at night by now, and I ended up driving a good three quarters of an hour round these stupid fields and ended up at a locked gate. So somehow I had to do a three-point turn and go all the way back again. What a buck. Here's a show. heard it, entire conversation with the barman. So I'm here this week on My Top 10 with Emily dolan Davis. Hello, Emily.
1: Hi, how are you?
0: Good, thank (laughs) you. Thank you so much for coming on this podcast. Um, To kick us off and to warm us up, uh, what's your life story in three sentences?
1: In three sentences. Okay. Uh, Loved music since I was a kid. Started hitting things at 11 now a professional hitter of things.
0: Nice and I hope those things don't mind being a hit.
1: Well they haven't told me otherwise yet.
0: So specifically what, what things do you like to hit?
1: <laughs> so I like hitting drums basically. Um, as I say I've always loved music as a kid. Uh, I tried playing a bunch of different instruments um, and was brought up in a very musical sort of household. There was always music playing but I sat down behind the kit at 11 years old and it just kind of made sense to me and it, it just I felt completely head over heels in love with it um and i haven't looked back since i still am
0: (laughs) lovely and all this time later uh what three career highlights really stand out for you
1: oh career highlights okay so the first one would probably be uh my first ever professional gig situation like by professional i mean full-time musician making a living full-time and it was the first gig i did with a band called the hours uh, that was in 2008 and it was in uh it was in new york city it was at Sotherby's. it was on the 14th of february so valentine's day 2008 and we played a show and the encore of the show was um Bono getting up and playing a couple of songs with us. So that was a pretty mental, like, wow, is this what the professional world is like moment? Where, side note, it's not like that all the time. (laughs) It's definitely a spoiling moment. Um, So yeah, that was an amazing moment. Uh, What other moments? I mean, there's so many sort of gig moments. I used to play with an artist called Tricky, who's like a trip-hop artist. And in every show, there would be two moments where he would do a stage invasion. So he would invite probably between 50 and 100 members of the audience up on stage to come and dance and mosh and like basically almost completely wreck all of our gear. So every time that happened, it was a bit like, oh God, I don't know what's happening. But it was like really adrenaline, like amazing, like like really unusual. I've never really had that before. Um, And then other highlights. I guess recording with Brian Ferry actually, because the way that that all came about was so random and it was all through one phone call and just a whole ton of stuff changed yeah within a 10 minute phone call that ended up with me playing with him for three years doing his corporate shows and then playing on his Olympia album so uh maybe that phone call actually that phone call.
0: (laughs) So it's that (laughs) real sliding doors moment for you?
1: Absolutely yeah couldn't have said it better yeah proper sliding doors moment so weird I was talking to my husband about sliding doors literally two days ago and I haven't even thought about that film for years. It's like buses
0: sliding you know buses don't come along for ages when they do this two at once and the so same true. with sliding
1: doors it's true
0: and some buses have sliding doors
1: well there you go that's just life art and poetry in motion
0: That's a beautiful thing <laughs> um so top 10 what what is your top 10 subject for today
1: my top 10 subject for today is my top 10 tips, uh, I guess, to becoming a professional musician. I've done it for the last, you know, 15 years, I guess, uh, being professional. um, And I thought I'd just share my little nuggets of wisdom that I've picked up over the years and and, uh, hopefully help anyone that does want to do this professionally because it's um, it's hard work, but it's really good fun.
0: (laughs) And are they ranked? Are they in a specific order or are they just a big
1: i tried to rank them but then i was like oh but this one's this one is really important oh but then that one's really important and and so no (laughs) is the short answer they're not ranked i did try there's meant to be some sort of logicality to them but i can guarantee you that within my ramblings you will realize that there really is not (laughs)
0: are you saving the best till last
1: i'm saving my most important one till last
0: that's what we like to hear lovely okay so the first but not the best tip that you can <laughs> no, give. No,
1: but probably the most important, but probably not the best, but the most important but also the most obvious, which is to learn your instrument, which sounds very obvious and it is, but um you would be shocked the amount of people that want to be a professional musician that don't have the skills required to to execute that basically um, and if you're talking in terms of drummers uh, being a drummer that would be playing to a metronome, uh, playing with other musicians again that's the same for any musician um, also learning by ear, maybe even reading music it's basically about getting as many um, th- so I have a drum teacher and the way he puts it is you want as many tools in your toolbox to do the job that you want to do and i think if you just concentrate on getting as many of those tools and you know and absolutely nailing it <laughs> pun <pardon> there <me. laughs> um, totally not intentional uh then yeah then you you you're putting yourself in the best possible position to get hired because you never know what the job is that's going to come up you know i certainly never know someone would just asked me oh do you do this and i'm like uh, yeah sure and then sort of work it it out after the fact Um, which has not always worked in my favour but I think if you go at it with that kind of attitude then you you kind of you're halfway there at
0: least (laughs) and you said about uh, playing to a metronome how difficult is that how long does that skill take to
1: it's a lifelong skill I feel <laughs> so I played to a metronome since I was 11 years old which is when I started playing the drums um and I had a really funny moment uh, which I'll talk about more later on where I thought I was playing to a metronome really well and then I heard myself back once playing to it and I was like oh and this was a good sort of like eight years into playing it wasn't a couple of months and i was like oh i'm not as locked with the metronome as i thought (laughs) so it definitely is an ongoing thing and you know it becomes um it started out being feeling like an enemy to me it was something that really sort of was inconvenient (laughs) to my playing but actually it's become more of a friend now and it and it you know, you can you can play around with it a little bit. So you don't have to necessarily be playing bang on the beat of the metronome. You can play a little bit behind, a little bit ahead. And it's just understanding that and and kind of working without with that within the music that you're playing. And consequently, when you're not playing to a metronome, it helps your timing generally. And I always say, even if you're not a drummer, I think if I meet any guitarist that plays to a metronome and has great time, they will be my number one guitarist to call because
0: there are are very few of those guys. (laughs) Uh, And in terms of learning an instrument, um, is this sort of 10,000 hour rule... Uh, applicable, do you think?
1: I think so. It's really funny you say that. I used to be obsessed with the 10,000 hour rule. I remember reading that Malcolm Gladwell book and um, and just being like, oh my gosh, I need to rack up my 10,000 hours and I started doing all these calculations. Well, if I play for eight hours a day, then how long will it take? And at this point, I'd probably already been playing for maybe nine or 10 years. So, um, But I, I do believe that the 10,000 hour thing is a thing Um, where it becomes slightly more complicated I think is is what you're playing within those 10,000 hours because if you're playing 10,000 hours of stuff that you can do you're not going to progress very much so I think it has to be a conscious effort to kind of push yourself and 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 get out of your comfort zone equally you know Playing a gig—that's that's a different kind of thing of ten thousand hours, and and so there's many sort of strands of of what you could be doing, and then where you want to be going. Um, but I <laughs> I think I've definitely racked up my ten thousand and then some. Um, but yeah, I th- I think it's a good kind of foundation of something to aim for, maybe if if you're that way inclined, because I know that I am. I'm I'm very I I don't know why I have this thing about sort of not statistics because I hate statistics, but it kind of goals basically. And, and yeah, it it really spoke to me, that book. And yeah, it's funny you mentioned.
0: <laughs> and do you think you'd need 10,000 hours sort of in a safe space uh, and then another 10,000 hours performing?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um, I would say, actually, as often as you can, if you can use those 10,000 hours in a non-safe space and a real one that you're really in at the deep end as i would say then uh i'd go for that option always because it's painful as anything at the time and and you know and you're not sure if you're going to make it and sometimes you don't but whatever comes from that will just make you progress tenfold so i'd say yeah if you can get into a situation where you don't feel comfortable i'd, I'd go for that option always
0: sure next uh tip
1: next tip is play with as many other musicians as possible. So this comes from uh well something that my dad used to tell me actually and I'm sure I'll mention my parents many times throughout this cuz they used to give me really good advice. Um he used to basically just say look nobody cares if you're the greatest drummer in your bedroom if nobody knows about you then nothing's going to happen and and like I say he told me this from day 1 and from day 1 he used to take me to blues jams and and used to get out playing with complete strangers who were at the time seven times older than me. I mean, these were like 60, 70, 80 year old musicians, sometimes a lot were younger. Um, And it was just the most amazing experience. And it was terrifying, but it was brilliant. And I very much took on that thing of, okay, I need to be in contact and playing with as many different people as I can, Um, not just from a networking point of view, like the more people that know about you, the more chance that you've got of getting a call basically it's a very simple sort of like basis of this theory um the other thing is is that i wanted to make sure that i surrounded myself with musicians that were better than me because again going back to that ten thousand hours putting yourself in the deep end the best way to get better is to surround yourself with people that are much better than you and i i still do that um i think i have learned so much from doing that and and people have been so kind to me and patient with me to kind of like and encouraging you know musicians are so wonderful they're just like yeah come on like we're all in this let's do it um so I'd say yeah second tip a, a massive tip just get out there get playing with people go to jams join bands play for artists um play for free as well that's another big thing that people sort of are a bit weird about which i totally get um you know if you're gaining something in your skill set or meeting people and you're doing it for free that that's a great investment to me so i think if you get that opportunity you should be taking it with both hands
0: and i suppose from your point of view as well lots of different styles as well would be handy to
1: absolutely yeah as many different styles as possible and if anything just to explore and see what you like the most you know i i used to play loads of different my first proper proper band was when i was 14 was a heavy metal band i had great fun with that but i wouldn't necessarily choose to play that now if i sort of like had to because it's just as much as i enjoyed it it's not in my soul you know it doesn't it doesn't grab me in the same way say blues does or or something else so
0: so would blues be your oh
1: yeah i love blues i was brought up on blues so it's a big thing for me um but I'd say just any well-written song for me is, 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 a, is a real pull. I love like 70s, um, like singer-songwriters or rock or so like Neil Young. And I say that because I was meant to go see him in a couple of weeks, but I can't now because a gig's coming. Oh, no.
0: oh, I'm so gutted. <laughs> the life of a freelancer, eh?
1: I know. Oh, so close. Another time. Next time I'll see him, hopefully.
0: So who are you playing with?
1: Uh, that's a Kim Wilde gig So I think we're out in Germany And we were meant to be just going out the day of the show But now they want us going out the day before Which means that I miss Neil Young and Bob Dylan okay. And I'm a huge fan of like the band And those guys and johnny mitchell and all that music around that time i thought was absolutely stunning and and some of the most beautiful songwriting that i've ever heard and it just makes me cry (laughs) basically so yeah but not this time next time
0: well this time it'll make you cry because you're not there yeah exactly (laughs) for a different reason (laughs) so uh, next tip
1: next tip is okay So this next one is uh, something that I have done since I started playing the drums. I didn't even realize I was doing it until I started thinking about it fairly recently in the last couple of years, and that is to get disciplined and get into a routine. Um, So a little bit of backstory. When I first started playing the drums, Um, I started in my school and uh, I was very lucky they happened to have some drum kits there Um, and I would go in for an hour before school with my friend. I'd go for an hour at lunch and an hour after school. So we would be consistently playing five days a week for three hours a day before anything else. I mean, at the time, neither of us had drum kits at home or anything like that. So this was literally the only time that we had to practice um so we would just do that every day for how many years was it five six seven years of whatever school seems so long ago that i don't even know how long i was there for um and and you know more recently i've been working out that actually having a routine and um yeah just just some things to do every day really helps me for my brain because as great as inspiration is It isn't there all the time. It is fleeting, it ebbs and it flows and you can't rely on it. But if you know that you have a routine, like I know that I have to practice this thing for an hour a day. I know that I have to come into the studio and do this thing for an hour a day. I know that I have to work out for this amount of time every day. I might wake up and be like, oh, I just can't be bothered to do anything. But if it's on my list, I'm doing it. And that's that. And by the end of the day, you know, maybe that will have led to some sort of inspiration, you know, just by the by or maybe it doesn't but at least i feel better that i've done the work that i need to do and um yeah i think i think just force yourself into a routine of like practice or you know i don't know meeting up with uh, a musician during the week or something like once a week okay i know that wednesdays i meet up with a musician we go have coffee uh thursdays i have band practice so i go do that uh fridays i go to a jam and then you know during the day it's various other things so yeah, I think a routine is very, very beneficial.
0: And do you find that helps you sort of get back into the swing of normal life when you're back off a tour, for example?
1: Absolutely, 100%. So um, at the moment, um, I'm playing with Kim Wilde, that's my main sort of gig, and then during the week I'm in the studio. And uh, it's, it is very difficult to kind of like be away and and expend a lot of energy i mean even yesterday so yesterday i was meant to do a little bit of work but we came back from this gig and i was so shattered that i just couldn't physically do anything whereas today like i was okay i know this morning i need to do a couple of tracks before you got here i knew that i needed to set up the podcast things sort of like set up the microphones and all that um And it just kind of like it gives you something to aim towards. And it's and I try not to overwhelm myself because I'm terrible. I used to be terrible with overwhelming myself. But um, yeah, it does sort of like help and even factoring in, you know, time to relax and stuff like that. It just it just forces you into thinking about how best you're spending your time, because otherwise you end up, you know, on these tangents you know on a youtube hole or whatever whatever it is because you just go oh i don't know what i'm doing today oh just look at this video and then seven hours later you're like oh <laughs> what stop. happened to my day yes.
0: <laughs> so you said that you recorded a couple of things this morning what sort of um what sort of home studio stuff do you do
1: well uh so i record drums for people remotely so any artist that needs drums um, recording and they don't have the facilities or know-how or they don't want to program because nobody enjoys programming really, um, they send me over their songs and then I will record on them in my studio in Harlow. And then send them back the files, basically, so that they can uh, they can hear what I've done. And yeah, I, I work with quite a few clients like that. It's an amazing uh, situation that I'm very happy and privileged to be in, definitely. And it works for my personality because I like a lot of variety in this in what I'm playing. So I get to work with you know up to five or six different artists every week um, on on their song. So it's really good fun. So I was doing that this morning. <laughs>
0: and does that all mount up when you're when you're on the road? So you come back, and you've suddenly got thirty. 30- that you need to recall. Yeah,
1: basically. It's it's it works so well whereas before I used to come off the road. Uh I would have done I don't know a tour for say 2 months and then I'd come off the road and it would be like oh my gosh, I have no work. Like, what do I do? And uh, I would be an absolute nightmare to be around, like just not knowing what was going on. And, you know, just a lot of my self-esteem was tied to being called for a tour or a gig. And if the phone wasn't ringing, I would feel severely depressed. And it was just, it was this awful thing. Whereas now with the studio, I kind of like have, you know, it's my business. It's my own business. I have a bit of control over it. I get to, you know, work with different people. I just love it. I
0: can't tell you how much I love it and you said about working out how um how much of that do you need to do sort of to keep your your drummer muscles sort of (laughs) going when when you're not on tour do
1: you know what it's really funny you say so it's I don't think it's even for the drumming muscles as it were it's more for just general health obviously which is good but it's also for my headspace I think just working out really helps me and I do it every day so well five days a week I between four and five days a week if i'm in the studio what i do is um I have this way of working where I work for 52 minutes yes I know it's very specific and then I have a break for 17 minutes in that 17 minute break I'll do part of my workout so uh, and I do that like four four times over so um, I work it into my day so that I I have this alarm that goes off every 52 minutes I know as soon as I hear that alarm right I need to go and start working out so it becomes again routine um, and then when I'm on the road luckily for the last two years I've been on gigs where there's been two drummers and the other drummer is called jonathan atkinson and he also does this same workout program that i do in fact he introduced me to it so every day like first thing in the morning it's like right we're gonna go do free legs yeah all right yeah i'll see you downstairs in the gym or whatever in like half an hour so we have that accountability and and it really helps but um ever since doing that it's great it means i can eat whatever i want which is a big part of my life because i love food
0: Don't we all yeah I've got quite a belly on me now.
1: <laughs> no, you, haven't. you look great. So, um so free athletics, how does that work? So uh it's called free athletics, it's basically body weight ec- exercises. So it's um calisthenics is what they call it, which I've only just been able to pronounce because I've been terrible at things like that. It's things like doing like push-ups, uh sit-ups, pull-ups, burpees, squats um it's all stuff that basically can be done within a two meter by two meter room uh and without any equipment I know I just said pull-ups but there are versions without any equipment at all which makes it great for uh, touring basically and you know you don't have to go and drive to a gym or anything like that it's like no I can do it right here I do it either downstairs in the garage or outside if the if it's a nice day and yeah it's just it's a it's a quick and really effective way of working out and it's the fittest i've ever felt in my life definitely so yeah i love it i really i'm such an advocate of it even though for the first year i was like i hate this but Uh. now i'm over that hump it's like two and a bit years later
0: (laughs) and next tip
1: okay so next tip is to have goals again quite it may sound quite simple but um it's so difficult to Aim for something where you don't know where you want to be. Um, so when I first started playing drums, I just knew I wanted to be a professional, uh, and and that was kind of it. And that was great. And, and it definitely propelled me for a while. But then it sort of like became a bit of a mess and a mush. And it was like, well, what, what do I need to be working on to make my goals happen? And it became right, I just want to make a living from playing the drums. Okay, cool. So I tried a whole bunch of different things uh, to, to make money playing the drums. So I was playing in covers bands, I was teaching for a little while, I was trying to get out on tours, this was kind of like early days, um, I was doing a bit of recording and, and just trying a bunch of uh, doing some clinics stuff like that and and it was great but it was a lot it was a lot of different types of things and and it was all a bit muddied I I just I didn't have a clear view of what I wanted um anyway cut to like a few years later i'd been out on a few tours um which i was loving i knew i always knew i've always known that i love playing live like i just adore that uh, which is weird because although it might not seem it um I'm, i'm like the shyest person in like real life when i'm not talking about music or drums i'm the shyest person uh but on stage for some reason i was like this is brilliant um and then I worked out that teaching, I I loved it, but I wasn't very good at it, and I couldn't commit to it because I've, I've I'm very I feel very strongly about, you know, if I was to be a teacher full time, it really would be full time because I I believe that people need a, a constant in their life when it comes to things like that, and if I'm away touring, that's not fair to my students. So I kind of backed away from that a little bit because I was like oh, I'm not comfortable with that. Um, but basically what happened was I had just been working with The Darkness uh, and Weird Parted Ways and that was in 2015 I think Um, and I sat down with myself and had a conversation with myself and just went okay what do I really love about what I do and what do I really not love about what I do so I was like okay well I love playing with loads of different people and that was part of the reason that I had to part ways with The Darkness they wanted me to just be their drummer and it's just not the way that I, I, I'd built up this massive array of like, musicians that I'd been playing with. And, and I loved it. I loved the variety. I thought it was just amazing. Um, I loved playing live. I loved sort of like going away on tour. But equally, I really enjoy being at home, which I haven't been able to do for many years. Um, and then I also love recording. And I knew that. And I love songs. That was like the number one thing. So that's when I knew, OK, I want to start a remote recording studio I wanted I want to record for people because that way I'm working with lots of different people which totally satisfies my thing of wanting to work with many people but then equally I can still go out and tour and what that meant was I could actually commit to one person which I have Kim wow, this year it's just been the best like couple of years ever it's just been really um focused and if I hadn't sat down and gone right what do I actually want to do and had something to aim for I probably still would be in this sort of muddled headspace and stuff so I think to have goals is just such a logical thing to really get to where you want to go
0: and having the goals to begin with is all well and good but do you have to keep revisiting and reformulating them and
1: oh yeah i think so because you can have one goal and then start heading towards it and realize that actually no i am not enjoying this this is not good this is not me this is not the people i want to be surrounded with or whatever it might be but i think you have to give yourself permission to kind of go it's okay if you want to change your mind like as long as you're just working towards it and things are always in flux you know i might wake up tomorrow and realize i don't enjoy the recording thing anymore i don't think that's gonna happen but you know you never know and and just being open to that and, and and allowing yourself to go the other way with it really
0: and what happens if you reach your goals
1: oh good question well luckily as with music Um, you can't really master an instrument because that's kind of impossible because it's endless like the creative process so um, I find that's the lucky thing and the unlucky thing because yeah I think if you reach a goal then you can either expand on it or maybe choose another one or you know but for me the, the the touring thing the goal for me overall is to be happy which i know sounds so cheesy but and it's having a balance between like work and life I, i've never been good at work-life balance it's always been work 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 um but in the last two years i'd say i've I've finally found a way of balancing the the two things uh but like i say between the touring the studio and then just general day-to-day life um that really works for me so as far as i'm concerned I've reached my goal but I know that it also it's not you know it's a moving target essentially. <laughs> it's, of course. Yeah yeah. It's, things are always changing so um I think it's just more than making new goals I suppose it's just reevaluating where you're at and 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 just keeping an eye on that and and being mindful of it because you might suddenly realize that you're really unhappy but you don't know why and then you've just got to look at that and then change it and and yeah so I'd say that really.
0: And what do you think percentage wise of time at home, time on the road and then time doing gigs but near home. What what's the ideal? Oh, oh the ideal. Oh, uh, f- oh, I don't know.
1: Maybe 30% on the road, then 40% in the studio because I guess I am at home in my studio, and then 30% with family and having a life, you know. That old chestnut that I haven't had for many years. <laughs> yeah, I'd say maybe that. Yeah, never really thought about that actually. yeah that works yeah (laughs) Yeah. i love what i do so it really helps it's not like it's a it's a hard i mean it's hard but it's not a slog i i i I love what i do so much that you know i want to be doing it (laughs) of course yeah yeah (laughs) next tip okay so tip number five um it sort of like carries on from another tip but just to meet as many people as possible so not just playing with people but meeting people and um again i've done this for many many years and that is uh again through going to jams not necessarily playing but just chatting to people just you know and not with a view to kind of like oh get me on a gig or you know what can you do for me like literally just go and meet like there's so many fascinating people in this world and 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 especially musicians i find they're just everyone's got a really interesting story to tell and i am absolutely fascinated by people and i think that really helps me so i've like i said i've always gone to jams uh just going out to gigs whether i know the people playing or not i just go up to people and start randomly chatting to them but just i i don't know why like i say i in theory i'm a shy person but for some reason i get into these headspaces and i'm like right i'm going to go make new friends today and and that's kind of it um that and i i would always go to uh, trade shows like drum shows since i was 14 and that might sound a little bit counterintuitive because obviously why would i be making friends with drummers when technically they would be competition if you like Um, but actually the drum community is one of the most loving supportive friendly communities that you could ever wish for in your life and and like i say i've been going to drum shows since i was 14 years old I would get chatting to drummers that had played or whatever and and just, you know, just ask them for information. And, you know, what would you do? And and what can I do to, you know, become like you? I want to I want to be a professional. And these people have sort of gradually over the years become my friends. I would go out for coffees with them and, and literally chew their ears off these poor people like they're so sweet. But now, equally, I get to do that for other people, which is really, really nice. And interestingly, the whole thing about, you know, other drummers, well, wouldn't they be competitions? That makes no sense. Um, I'd say about 50 percent. I was trying to think about this earlier. I think about 50 percent of the gigs that I get, I'm recommended by other drummers. And that's either because... They can't do the gig well no usually that's it they can't do the gig <laughs> right. so they just go oh just in emily or you know or someone might have heard of me and they might vouch for me or something like that so um yeah i think just becoming a part of the music community generally and and just sharing ideas and being a support for each other because this is a weird lifestyle that we live and it's very hard to find people that truly understand this strange headspace of being so dedicated to something and so absolutely obsessed i think if you can find more like-minded people just to have as a as a network i think it's a really really good thing
0: i suppose it works both ways doesn't it i mean if someone's recommending you to pick up a gig they can't make then the hope will be that You'll be able to throw a gig their way when you can't make it further down the line.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it definitely works both ways. Like like I say, it becomes this sort of community. And in fact, funnily enough, so the reason that I'm on, uh, that I was on the Howard Jones gig last year and the Kim gig this year is that. um, uh, in fact, no, sorry, the Kim Wilde gig. So I was playing with Howard Jones. And as I said before, it was a two drummer situation. The other drummer is Johnny, who I do all the working out with. Um, we were doing a gig somewhere in America. And he said, oh, by the way, I can't do this gig with Kim uh, like a couple of months later. Could you cover it for me? And I was like, yeah, no problem. Like, of course. I sort of knew a couple of the guys from the band anyway. And I thought oh, that'd be really good fun. So anyway, went and did a gig um, and had great fun with the guys. They're just the loveliest people. And then afterwards, I was chatting to Kim in the bar and she was like, oh, it's just, you know, I've enjoyed playing with you so much. It's been really enjoyable. And I, as a joke, said oh, well, you'll just have to have two drummers then. And she just looked at me and went, that's a great idea. (laughs) And I was like, oh, Johnny's going to kill me. I've already come in and like shoehorned my way into the Howard Jones gig. And now I'm shoehorning my way into the Kim Wilde gig. So it's just so funny. But we have so much fun. I can't even tell you.
0: And by two drummers, is that two of you on stage or one of you will do it one night and one the next?
1: Nope, two on stage, two kits on stage. So he takes the bulk of the kit work, basically. And then I take on sort of the two tom work and the electronics and the percussion but it is two drum kits two full drum kits set up so it's quite a spectacle really in itself and it, yeah it's so much fun and having another drummer on tour like for any drummers that listen that are listening will know that is like the dream we get to geek out every day about <laughs> drums it's so
0: cool <laughs> so how does he do kit work and you do So for you to do the toms only how does yeah. that work so
1: basically instead of a snare drum i have an electronic pad which usually has a snare drum on it because obviously a lot of her stuff is 80s and there's very 80s sounding snares on it and then yeah it's just basically I just came in and and Johnny just went does this mean you can just play all the fills and I get to just play time and I was like yeah fine because that's a I mean for me that would be my dream just playing time is like everything (laughs) to me so I was like yeah I totally get it so I'll play like shaker patterns and then do there's some fills like in um there's a song called You Came. There's some Tom fills that are quite iconic. Uh, same in Kids in America. There's a few fills there. And he was like, Can you can you just do those? I was like, Yeah, yeah, I'll do those. So it it becomes this sort of like friendship of like yeah i'll, I'll sort that out
0: <laughs> so it's like almost one of you sort of the equivalent of the rhythm guitarist one of them sort yeah. of the lead guitarist
1: yeah i guess so yeah you can kind of see it that way yeah definitely wow. yeah it's really good fun and like i say on some of those early records there's so much going on like percussion wise and electronics wise um things like four letter word i mean it's just like there's so much to play with and it makes it so fun and it makes it fun for the band as well because having that extra bit of energy on stage, it just becomes a different thing and yeah, it's, it's, it's so much fun. I recommend everyone have two drummers <laughs> <laughs> on any tour.
0: Well it Increase your workload easily, I mean, surely. it would be great. <laughs> and can you easily switch from your chair to the other chair? Like, Do, do you swap over during uh, different gigs? For example, um, how would you know the other person's part
1: it's funny you say that so i did have to cover johnny's parts when we were playing with howard johnny couldn't do a show so i had to step in and do his part and then my parts were put on track if that makes sense so uh and that was the most confusing thing for my head to understand. It was unreal because leading up to the shows, uh, leading up to this one show, we were doing a run of other shows and I was thinking about his parts whilst I was playing my parts so that I could practice his parts. But then it just like it was it was like a proper short circuit moment and I was like, Do you know what? I just I have to keep this completely separate. So what I would do is after we'd sound check, I would just run through all the songs on his kit to practice it as a completely separate headspace because it it there definitely is yeah, it's a completely separate thing. And it's, I was thinking about this for Kim. If I have to cover him on Kim, I've never thought about what he's actually playing. I know what he's playing because I hear it every time we play, but I've never actually consciously thought about it. And I, I think I have to keep it that way just to keep it separate. Otherwise, I'll start doing some weird stuff. And he'll be like, hey, you're trying to take my parts. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: And it's- is there a way you can have a record of what he has played? Like, is there an easy sort of like
1: yeah i mean luckily uh, a lot of the stuff that we do is recorded and especially with the internet now and um and yeah i will i would the way that i would learn a set any set is that i would chart down the, the song and then and then play it basically so i'll just chart down i'll listen to him playing chart down exactly what he's playing and then i will then read it and play it and learn it from that point onwards basically yeah
0: and is that uh, the, the chart sort of something you've Customise yourself or is it a universal sort of chart that all drummers would use
1: it's a it's based on universal kind of musical language definitely but uh it it it's definitely slightly emilyzed if that's a word
0: <laughs> <It> <laughs> so is. i
1: just make it so that it's more like a roadmap so i can glance at it quickly know exactly where i am uh, know exactly what fills are coming up or beats or whatever else i mean i literally chart stuff daily because when i'm working in the studio i'm working at quite a quick rate because people want things turned around swiftly so i'll i'll it'll be a case of listening to a song once charting something down and then going and recording and that's my workflow in the studio every day and then if I have to do it for a, a, a gig so say it's 20 songs then that's fine, that'll take me a few hours to chart down and, and then go from there depending on how much time I have either I'll just play it and read the charts or I'll learn it properly so I can play it without the charts it, it just depends on the on the gig basically and the time frame time frame is everything <laughs> for me
0: and I think I've heard you in interviews before saying that um, you had an audition where you had to listen to a piece of music and you charted it as you listened to it through, mm-hmm. and that was it. You had that's it. You could then play it yeah. after one listen.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: That's fascinating. It's
1: it's taken many years to get to that point, but yeah, and it it does look quite impressive when you do that for people that haven't experienced people uh, working that way. Because I, I, as I say, I surround myself with people that are a lot better than me. So to me, that's that's a that's a basic thing that you should be able to do is is listen to a song once, chart it, play it. Um, and yeah so I I worked on that for years I think I started charting in 2008 so it's been 11 years of, of that and funnily enough I'll show you after this there's a there's a pile of charts out there that I'm currently trying to scan into like some sort of digital format so I can like literally show people how many charts I've done over the years I think there's like three years worth of charts out there and it must be around about the sort of 1,000 charts mark or something Gosh. like that and that was at a time when I was just playing with so many different bands who were doing different songs or the same songs but with different arrangements and it was all a bit messy so it was the way that I knew I'd turn up to a gig and I'd know that I was playing the right parts the right versions and I trusted my own abilities to get me through the situation and, and it's been, yeah, so useful, so useful
0: And I'll put a photo uh, to one of the charts for Yeah, May absolutely on- on the website nathan.show so that you can see as well uh, what uh, sort of things Emily has to read to be able to play an entire song having heard it only once (laughs) yeah it's it's very good it's such a useful skill (laughs) Um, next tip
1: okay so tip number six ah yes right this one is very important definitely Um, and it's probably one that uh, it seems a bit odd but it's to have hobbies and relaxation time this is something that I just didn't understand when I was younger at all I was like no drums are my life I need to be living it and breathing it 24 7 but actually the reality of being a professional is having other things in your life so that when you go on tour you're not constantly talking about oh this flam and this paradiddle and have you seen this microphone a there is a bit of that but equally, there needs to be a bit of like, I made this amazing casserole the other day. Do you want the <laughs> recipe? You know, and that is the kind of con- conversations that you have, and be able to talk absolute rubbish, because ninety percent of the gig is not actually the gig. It's the hanging around with other people and and being in other people's company and just being able to be normal. I mean, I got I told this story. Um, I won't name any names, but there was this. Um, there was this guy that was drum teching for a drummer on a uh it was like a clinic tour. So they do like master classes around the country. Um, and this drum tech was so obsessive about drums. I mean, we all are, but he literally, this was everything. And all he would do is talk about drums. And it got to like the fourth date of the tour or something. And the main drummer who was the main, you know, the main stage guy, um, This guy was talking to him about snare drums or heads or, I don't know, something. And he just went, would you just stop? Mm. Could you talk about anything else? Literally anything. Talk about porn. I don't care. Just stop talking to me about drums. And I just remember hearing that and going, wow. And I didn't understand the gravitas of it at the time until now. The thought of talking about music 24-7. Just, I love music to pieces, but the idea of talking about anything else is is just brilliant like and and like i said and having hobbies outside of music is it's taken me years to find things outside of music that i love but things like um food i love cooking as we've already said before love cooking so that is my way of relaxing like if i'm ever feeling stressed i'm like right i'm gonna make a big slap up meal and instantly i feel slightly more relaxed um recently i've just taken up skiing which i know probably sounds like the craziest thing to take up as a drummer but i really enjoy it so that's quite good haven't broken anything yet so fingers crossed um and then working out I've turned out I actually quite enjoy it although I hate to admit it and then other things like film films normal sort of stuff like that um but those are the things that you connect with people on and and create lasting friendships and relationships with it's not about talking about music 24 7 because that just gets a bit intense so yeah have have other like things that you like that you can other elements that you can bring to the party when you're all sat around on a tour bus with a glass of wine or a glass of water or whatever and, and just chat about everything else
0: and what are sort of top subjects that people keep coming back to on the tour bus
1: food number one is food always is at that- least well on every tour that i've been on but then that might be because i'm there and <laughs> um, definitely food films always films uh it, like I say, it's other creative stuff, I suppose. Um, there is there is definitely a divide between the people that like that sort of stuff and then there's like the sports guys. I'm not one of the sports guys and I'm not really on tour with guys that talk about sports that much. The Kim Wild lot, they talk about maybe Formula One a little bit, um, but I i don't have any interest in that to be honest i admire it it's amazing but it's not for me so they'll just go off and have their conversations i'll i'll leave and find someone else to talk about more food or
0: something <laughs> and are you able to um make your own meals on a tour bus was it right here's your next meal it depends so, next yeah,
1: yeah it can be either you get given uh, per diems so you get given an allocated amount of money every day to uh, go and get your food with so you just gotta fend of yourself find somewhere um, if you're lucky you get catering on the road which we have at the moment with Kim which is amazing so you turn up to a venue and they will have laid on like a variety of different types of food that you can eat and, and you know with different dietary requirements which is amazing um, although if it's bad then that's bad <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Uh but I mean we do a lot of touring in Europe and very rarely is it really bad because Europeans really know how to eat oh it's so good Um, but then on other tours where we haven't had catering and it has been per diems I've tried to uh, like make ways so that I can cook partly to keep myself sane so on one tour I took um an electric skillet so it's basically a frying pan that you can plug in um and I would make like full-on meals in this thing and it was really good actually made me very popular with the bands that I was playing with You're like Emily could you make me a fry I'm like yeah great <laughs> I'll do that um so yeah I did that uh, I took a rice cooker on the um on the darkness tour to ireland um, which consequently did set off a couple of fire alarms in the hotel but anyway um but yeah i i think it's just finding ways that work the other thing is like at the end of the day you only have so much space in your suitcase and sometimes having a big old electric skillet in there is not the best use of your space so it just depends but these days i think restaurants are so much better at having more fresh stuff um and stuff like that or or just i'm getting better at going to supermarkets and and throwing something together and you know just buying a bit of fresh food um and trying to be mindful of it because it's so easy to just go for like the burger option um but i think in the long run actually these days my body just cries out for a salad it's like please put something green <laughs> in me for crying out loud so yeah it, it, it can be easy it can be difficult but you just got to be flexible with it i think
0: and do you spend a lot of time um on tour uh staying on the tour bus or are there sort of hotel runs each
1: uh it depends on the tour so um we did a tour of germany last year and that was all on a tour bus that was three weeks so uh, and i'd say every Four or five days, we would have a hotel room to ourselves each. Um, but generally, you just stay on the bus, you use the showers at the venue and you sort of live like that. If you want some time to yourself, you literally just go to your bunk and you close the curtain. Um, but then equally, you can also do tours where you have a hotel room every night, different hotel room. And, you know, that's a whole different way of touring. So it just depends on the routing of the tour, uh, whether you're flying, whether it's, you know, on trains or uh, yeah, it really, really does just uh, depend as and when each one like the states for instance you couldn't do a tour of the states not on a tour bus because that would just be near impossible you'd have to have like three days between each show so it's not very viable um yeah financially
0: <laughs> sure yeah um there's a comedian you should look up called george egg who's done a lot of stuff on how to cook in hotel rooms really you know, i saw him do a, a bit of a show um recently and he was like cooking pancakes on irons, for example, up to I've heard irons.
1: about this, yeah, and boiling eggs in the American coffee makers. Apparently, that's one of it. Yeah, I I will look at. So George Egg, yes, yeah, amazing. So maybe
0: you could develop it and take one step further and put it back onto the tour bus as well, and have ingenious ways of cooking things there. Yeah. So tour bus etiquette. Mm. How how does it work?
1: <laughs> so. There's so much to tour bus etiquette. There's well, there's one rule that, that that is just the flat out rule of any tour bus. And that is you never do a number two in the loo. That's that's for anyone going on tour. That's all you actually need to know. Um, <laughs> everything else is just being I mean, it's like living in a really small flat with 11 other people. So you just got to be very mindful. Like, don't be messy. Um, Yeah, don't be don't be too loud if people are asleep or like shut yourself away somewhere that isn't too loud um if you're in the sleeping area definitely be quiet there don't be you know throwing stuff around or anything like that um yeah I think just mindfulness just generally on tour buses I think you get with the flow of it because of course it depends on the people that are on there as well um one set of people might be super party animals and, and everyone's on the same page but then another one might be a very quiet bus and you know everyone just wants their own space and doesn't necessarily want to be chatty all the time so i think you just got to kind of uh, navigate it as you go really um but yeah basically just don't do a number two on the bus
0: that's, uh-huh. it. <laughs> that's all you actually need to know <laughs> and it even rhymed the first time you said it so it must be a I real did, thing there you go <laughs> i didn't even realize yeah <laughs> and uh, have people ever been removed from um, sort of a tour just because their personality didn't fit, because they had any annoying tour bus habits that you know what? <laughs>
1: um, I don't know. There's only one tour where a couple of people left, but that was due to personality issues. Um, but it wasn't. It definitely wasn't any habits. on that. I'm trying to think. I'm sure there must be someone. Um, not that I know of but then they may have sort of like left for other other reasons that yeah, maybe weren't those reasons musical differences yeah. we love a bit of musical differences yeah none that I can think of off the top of my head but uh, you never know tonight at like three in the morning something might suddenly come to me and go ah
0: <laughs> and is there a pecking order um, for example even it's where you sleep on the bus (laughs) dictated by where you stand in the pecking order that
1: is so funny well I will tell you this so the current tour manager that we have who happens to be my husband which is very useful um, he sends out a sheet of like the bunks and just say look free for all you tell me where you want to sleep and I'll put you in that slot obviously on the Kim tour uh, she will get first dibs obviously Uh, and there may be Rick who is her brother also the MD will probably get the next slot. And then her niece, who is Rick's daughter, is the backing singer. She'd probably get the next pick. But then after that, free for all. Absolute, just go for it. And you've never seen people reply to an email so quick Uh, as when that email goes out.
0: But I suppose everyone will have different... There'll be people that want to sleep high up and people that want to be at the bottom. Yeah, Yeah,
1: because I like like being low down. But some people can't stand that because they don't like being by people's feet which I kind of get, but I, d- I don't like being at the top. It's a bit swayy, and knowing me, I'll blooming well fall out the yeah. thing. I know me. I'm a nightmare, and I'm really clumsy. I need to be as close to the ground as possible. It's probably why I took up the drums.
0: And a spinal tap tortoise, uh, drummers can die in horrible ways. Exactly. Rolling out of bed on a tour bus would be a typical sort of Absolutely. spinal tap drummer dance. We need to minimise these situations. <laughs> so does Kim Wilde sleep in amongst all of you
1: lot all the oipaloi yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah she certainly does yeah she's a, she's a proper rock and roller like she really is I mean she's been doing this for so long and, and I really admire the fact that she's like no yeah of course I'm in that bunk there <laughs> she's a bottom bunk as well she likes the bottom bunks so we, we're akin in that way in some ways so.
0: <laughs> and if someone snores
1: oh it's a nightmare we've got a couple of guys that snore on the on this tour so Basically, you've got the light sleepers at one end of the bus and then the snorers at the other and you hope that you just get some sleep. I'm not too bad with snorers, but like there are a couple of people that really get wound up by it. So it's an earplug situation. Earplugs and headphones and hope for the best.
0: <laughs> next tip.
1: Next tip. Right. Oh, yeah. Okay. So this next tip is basically that whenever you're doing any gig or any anything musical the ability to see the bigger picture is a really really useful one and um, I I would I would basically say this is good for if you're I already touched on this but when you're working for free for people if you volunteer to kind of like work with a new artist or that literally has no backing or be a part of a band which you wouldn't get paid for because it's sort of like we're all in this together kind of situation or you know doing something for exposure which I hate that term and I think it's horrendous but if you look at a situation and you go okay i'm going to be giving up my time for free um you may even be paying to do it you may be paying petrol your own petrol and whatever else um and i've done many gigs like this like over the years uh and i would look at a situation and I would go right who are the people involved okay it's got this person this person that person okay great they're amazing musicians um I would like to be known by them. I would like to have worked with them so they know that I can play and I am professional and I conduct myself in a certain way. Um, is this worth my time? Yes, absolutely, 100%, 100%, let's do this. But then there's other situations where, for instance, I was in this sort of-ish band situation, playing for free, well, paying my way, and um, it started out and it was really good situation, but then it started to become that, the michael was taken a little bit out of the situation and i was like i'm not i'm not growing very much musically from this i'm actually dreading going to these rehearsals we're not doing a lot of gigs and when we are there aren't a lot of people there actually i'm not getting much from this i think i need to step away and i think the ability to kind of just look at something objectively and just go is this is this helping me grow as a musician or in my network of people that i know or just anything If it's not, then I what I will generally do or what I used to do is put a date on it. And I just say, right, I always remember doing it with my first ever band. And um, I mean, I grew so much from that first band. But then at some point it kind of stopped and I was like, right, I'm going to carry on with this for three months, see where I am and how I feel at, at this date and then if I'm still feeling the same way I'm going to have to leave the situation and I still continue to do this in, in various ways and whether that be when for instance I just started doing this stem club so I upload stem, drum stems for uh, singer-songwriters to use or producers to use completely for free, like no strings attached, nothing uh, but it's about getting my name out there it's about supporting young and upcoming artists um, and, and yeah just that sort of stuff but if say in six months time I'm thinking actually this is a lot more hassle than it's worth then I will give it a date and I'll say okay cool right I'm going to look at this in a month's time if I still feel the same way then maybe I'll stop it or maybe I'll change it or maybe I'll look at it again so I think that ability to step back is a really really useful one it's the same on tours if you're I've been on tours where I'm being paid very nicely and but I'm not happy or I'm not enjoying it um just being able to go right is this my best the best use of my time could I be you know opening my doors to some other opportunity if I left this situation you know and um, I don't know whether it's just because it's how it's happened or I've made it happen that way but always it's been the best option when I've left the situation and something great has come from that so um, yeah I think I think being able to see the bigger picture it's a it's a good one. <laughs> and you
0: said when you're not enjoying things, mm-hmm. is that in the moment? Are you, can you sort of take yourself out of what you're doing while you're sort of drumming on the bass level? Can you sort of take yourself out of that and have a different thought running that I'm not enjoying this? What should I do about it?
1: Yeah, I I it it comes in waves. So it can be literally during a gig. Um, I remember doing one gig where I I i was seething about something and i just felt so much negativity towards this one person and i was like i don't want to feel like this in my life at all towards anyone it's not in my nature i'm not i am not a negative person i love people and i thought you know what the fact that this person is making me feel like this means that i shouldn't be here i'm not the right person for this um so but weirdly by thinking that and this all happened within like a song I took myself out of it straight away and I just went oh now I can deal with this because I'm kind of disconnected from it so it's a really useful skill when things do feel like they're too much and 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 the other thing you can think about the bigger picture in terms of your life so you know you might be on a tour it's a three-week tour and it's like it's hell hell on earth as you feel it but actually you look outside of that and go but I am playing drums for a living, and I am in this beautiful country, and you know. And actually, that person's really nice. So let me just let me focus on that person and not on this other per- or whatever it is. And I think being able to direct your attention can get you through situations until you can make a, a a better decision outside of it. But my thing is, once you've committed to something, you need to follow through. So, for instance, I wouldn't then leave in the middle of a tour because I'm feeling not right about the situation i would try and work my way around it and just work it out and then go from there so yeah
0: i suppose it's like any sort of family or work environment isn't it where you're going to get on with some people and not with others
1: exactly right yeah it is you are a family you're like an instant family on tour and and weirdly what i realized was being in a band situation so this was from playing with the darkness it's kind of like sort of committing to some to three other people for life instantly and it and it's just it's the weirdest feeling because in my head it's like it's hard enough finding one person in this life that you want to spend your life with let alone three people that I've literally just met and it's like oh my god uh okay cool and you become this really odd kind of dysfunctional sort of family unit almost that love each other intensely but absolutely just get into right sort of like you know emotional emotionally charged situations it's such a funny world it's so funny
0: and if you had to generalize not thinking of any particular people uh in particular but if you had to generalize out of the uh, say a typical four-piece band guitarist Space's oh. drummer vocalist what family roles would sort of archetypally um be carried out by which
1: oh that's a good question i i don't know if there's a there's definitely certain personality traits, I think, that come with certain instruments. Um, so, for instance, bass players are generally very chilled out. Um, they also happen to be very tall normally and quite slim. Yes. But then someone told me the other day, like, well, no, this bass player is short and he's not slim. And, all that. and I'm like, all right. But yeah, generally very chilled out. Drummers are kind of chilled but secretly a bit mental I think and and wh- I think there's degrees of that um, but we're very in our heads and and always thinking and you know all that um, guitar, lead guitarists they're like the the only child, they want to be up the front. Yeah. Um, I get on very well with guitarists. Uh, they just crack me up. <laughs> basically. Maybe
0: the middle child. Or maybe the middle child. Yeah. I
1: think that's right, actually. Yeah, that's probably. And then the singer would probably be the youngest child. Yes. Gets away with everything. Absolutely everything. And uh, yeah, again, I, I oh what was it that someone said it's like so singers have a certain part of their brain that is definitely overdeveloped but consequently there is another part of their brain that might be slightly underdeveloped and you have to find that bit and then you have to compensate in your own mind about them and and a manager once said that to my husband actually and i thought you know what that's a really accurate way of putting it so i mean we all have our odd tendencies i know that i have mine and i'm sure some people say she is insane but You kind like I say, it's kind of like a family, and you just kind of work with it. And you know that there's certain things that you won't talk to one person about because it might set them off a bit, but you'd be fine talking to another person about. So it's it's just finding, it's finding people's sort of like oddities and working with them, and 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 just being mindful of them. And yeah, I keep using the word mindful. I don't know why.
0: (laughs) It's, It's necessary, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think it is. I think it is.
0: So why are you insane?
1: Why am I insane? Probably for doing like playing the drums for a living. It's a pretty mental vocation. Like I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to hit things in time for other people. What the hell is that about it's it's pretty insane I think but um I think I think you've got to be a little bit crazy to pursue a career like this because it's long periods of spending a lot of time by yourself and then a lot of periods of time of spending with many other people in a really intense unnatural situation and then sort of trying to balance that with having uh whatever normal means sort of home life and 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 then being able to function on that level it's it's a very it's disjointed it's wonderful I love it and I think that's what makes me a little bit insane the fact that I love it because to most people like that's ridiculous how can you live your life Um, yeah I mean flying in doing a show getting to bed at three in the morning and then getting up at five for another flight to go and do another show that's pretty insane to willingly do that and go yeah that's a great idea
0: (laughs) And the tour um, that your husband's involved in that you're on, mm-hmm. uh, will he be able to sort of come out and you'll actually spend time with each other?
1: Yeah, sometimes, but we we try to keep it as like a professional sort of... like keep a, a divide between it because... Um, because he's on like i'm on the musician side of things he's more on like the management and crew side of things we've got very different time schedules like even to the point that we have separate hotel rooms on tour because he will have to inevitably be up earlier than me and i i do need my space to just relax and just clear my head and you know yeah that's really important to me so we do get to see each other. We'll have a cuddle, of course. But, you know, it's it's kind of... It is a different thing. And then once we get home and we decompress and we just be like, should we order in a pizza and watch a film? Yeah, great. Oh, mm-hmm. And then just chill out, you know. And it, it works really nicely because we really know what's going on in each other's world, So we can really be there as a support because we it's it's difficult if you're a musician and you're with someone that is not a musician and does not do what you do because it's very hard to understand the lifestyle and you know you see films and tv programs where oh it's all rock and roll and you're partying all the time it's like no it's not we're knackered like all the time just constantly and and you know but people don't see that and they don't believe you and it's like no i'm really tired could i I just go to sleep for a week please (laughs) So,
0: yeah, and then often are you both in that sort of mindset after a tour?
1: Oh yeah, exhausted, absolutely, and we have to sort of like stop each because we're both. Slightly workaholics so we both have to actually have a word with each other and be like all right stop like no you need to actually take today off and um as i said we've both found skiing recently so that's kind of like our thing is like should we book in to go skiing like we're going tomorrow for instance um just for a couple of hours and it clears our head and and it makes makes us fresh for when we do come back to stuff which is is everything i think just being able to have a break from yourself because um, i know that i drive myself insane if i don't have time to just switch off for a second um and i used to i used to drive myself crazy with that so yeah,
0: imagine skiing is really good for switching off because if you're not if you're not concentrating you're doing, yeah,
1: <laughs> then you're kind of screwed yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah you definitely got to concentrate on what's happening in the moment which is great yeah i really like it next tip next tip right number eight okay this is one of the most important tips i know it's number eight it's because number eight is my lucky number so that's what i'm going to rationalize this as and it is the ability to what i call self-audit and what i mean by that is um it's basically the best thing that i ever learned to do from a drummer called Billy Ward, who's this amazing drummer, he's played with everybody and their dog um, from New York. And he said to me, right, what you need to do is you need to uh, get hold of a little dictaphone, you need to record yourself playing and you need to listen back. And I was like, Oh, yeah, cool. That sounds like a good idea. And then I I proceeded to not do it for like three years after he told me this little nugget of wisdom, which I didn't realise at the time and so what i would suggest for everyone to do is just buy a little dictaphone or get an app on your phone or whatever and any time you play like play at all whether it's playing to a metronome playing to music playing with other musicians anything record yourself and listen back because it is the quickest way to getting better and getting to where you want to be in in conjunction with like the goals. Like I want to be this kind of drummer. Okay, great. So play along to some music that's like that. All right, cool, play along. I guarantee you when you listen back, you'll go, oh God, that's awful. First time I did it, I was like, uh, I would have been, how old would I have been? Maybe 18 or 19. And um, I play, I think I just played along to a metronome. And this is what I was saying. I played along to a metronome And then I listened back and I was like, is this how I've been playing all of this time? I'm an awful drummer. I thought I was half decent. I'm terrible. It was heartbreaking. And I was just like, oh my gosh, it's the worst thing ever. But then I just continued to do it and and got through the cringiness of it. And uh, and honestly, best thing I've ever done for my playing. Like hands down, bar none, that is the best thing that any musician, in fact, any creative, if there is a way to get feedback from what you're doing, like just do it it's it's horrible at first but in the long run it really really helps so yeah i do that
0: <laughs> how did you improve your your sticking to time of the metronome
1: well it's a weird thing because i would listen back and it wouldn't be in time but i wouldn't necessarily know why because in my head when i was playing it was so there was a disconnect between what i was playing and what i was hearing in my head and then compared to what was actually coming out But what I would do is I would listen and I go I don't know why let me just try again and it would be ever so slightly better. So I think even on a subconscious level it it kind of works so you don't necessarily need to actually analyse it to death and go well this snare drum here is like a quarter of a millisecond out or whatever. It just needs to be like okay this is not good let me try again and then just try again and, and gradually that kind of disparity between what you think you're hearing and what is actually coming out does get closer together um, so yeah I'd just say just just do it there's no I, I, I don't know what the rules are but I know that it works <laughs>
0: <laughs> and have there have been occasion there was an occasion I think I've heard you mention before um, where it went horribly
1: horribly wrong in fact I think this is my next uh, tip okay, yes okay. Shall, I, can, I can just move on to my next tip yep, if you like Just move on to the next tip okay because this this feeds in very nicely and um, so my next tip is to not make excuses and the the reason that this uh, sort of like ties in together is that my first ever recording experience was like like a professional recording experience was the most horrific thing I've ever experienced in my life. So I was 17 I think 16 17. I got a phone call from someone just saying hi I'm a friend of someone else um, I'm a producer my drummer's just broken their wrist could you come in and do a session next week? And I was like, oh, yeah, amazing! So the uh. first time I've ever been called like this, I was like, I'm officially a professional, everyone's going to call me and think I'm amazing. Um, and it was six songs, I was like, yeah, great, send them over. So he sent them over. I went into a rehearsal room, because I didn't have a drum kit at the time, and I went and practiced these songs to the standard that I thought was appropriate for being a professional drummer, which I thought I was being at the time. Anyway, cut to going to do the actual session, and... Um, sort of set up my kit and whatever. And at the time I had a kit, it was uh it was a Yamaha stage custom. In fact I still have it, which is it's not an entry-level kit, but it basically is. Um, but it does actually sound very good. Uh and set it all up. The guy was like, cool, you ready to go? I was like, yeah, amazing. Like, watch out, everyone's gonna think I'm amazing. Um, hit record and it all just completely fell apart and I everything went wrong like i was playing to a click i wasn't playing to the click i wasn't locking in with the backing track uh i wasn't playing consistently it was just all over the shop and i sort of like sort of play it was all really uncomfortable it didn't feel good and i just sort of like finished this take and I just had the producer over the over the uh, over the headphones, just going, um, "Are you are you okay? Do you do you need anything else in your ears? Maybe more click." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe a bit more click. Yeah, that would be good." He's like, "Cool, alright." Um, should we go for another one? I was like, "Yeah, yeah, 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 it's fine." So went for another one, even worse because obviously now I'm even more super self conscious, um, and and the poor producer, bless him, he just sort of like came over the headphones again. He's like, D- um, "Should we just do one more?" I was like yeah, that'd be good. And I was thinking in my head, maybe it's not that bad from where they're sitting. Maybe it's just me being overly sensitive, of course. And then after the third take, he just came in and he went, Emily, I'm really sorry, but um, I'm I'm just going to have to ask you to leave. Like, it's just not, it's just not working. And I was heartbroken. Like, forget any boy in all the world. That was the worst heartbreak I've ever ever experienced in my life I burst into tears basically I tried not to but I couldn't help it and I was just like like this this was my moment this is what I've been working towards and I've completely fallen flat on my face and the producer was so sweet he was trying to do it in a really nice way and he was so sweet um but yeah and then I sort of had to pack up my stuff and just and just go home and I remember getting back home and my parents were like oh how did it go and I was like yeah it didn't it didn't go very well and they're like well, what happened and this was my thing they said my drum kit wasn't professional enough oh, no. and it didn't sound good enough that was my actual what i said and i mean i knew that they knew that i was lying because they know me um and then for the next 2 days i just was completely inconsolable depressed just heartbroken wanted to completely give up I was like I'm not good enough I'm never going to be good enough like what am I doing and then I kind of came around to myself and I was like do you know what okay I could give up or I could face everything that went wrong and to me it was everything went wrong (laughs) so it's like and I can face up to this and work on it and just go from there and luckily that's what I chose to do um, and yeah, so that's what I want to say about excuses. You need to own your mistakes because from that moment, that definitely was the reason that I've managed to get to where I am today, because it, I, I had to painfully address every single thing that went wrong that day. Um, and but I could have stuck to that excuse of, oh, it was just because the drum kit wasn't good enough
0: what is that mm. about?
1: What an idiot, idiot teenage girl. That's what that is. Um, so yeah, so that's why I would say you just got to own when things like that go wrong and they will. And, but you've got to see those as opportunities as, as literally here is a checklist of everything you need to work on. Go. <laughs>
0: yes. And that, that almost might have been a larger sliding doors moment than the Howard Jones one. Because oh, yeah. if that had gone well, then yeah arguably you wouldn't be where you are no, now it's
1: true. yeah absolutely like I am a firm believer in everything happening for a reason and um, that was definitely one of those moments and the other thing is I'm a firm believer in you have a choice as well and I chose to just get on with it basically because I could have chose to just go nah not for me See you later and I I know I'd be miserable as far as I'm concerned drumming has saved my life like many times over because when things go wrong for me in stuff outside of music I always head to my drums and, and they've always been there for me consistent consistently. I think this was part of the reason I was so heartbroken. It was the one time that I felt that my drumming had let me down as a person, as a human, you know, and, and that had never happened before. So um but yeah, definitely become stronger since then. So woohoo. And now I have my own studio for crying out loud. So it couldn't have damaged me that much. <laughs>
0: So do you think that would have been the last time that you would have made an excuse was that the catalyst you'd say right I need to own this
1: Do you know what it might well have been um I not intentionally no but and I'm sure I will have made excuses after that maybe but I'm definitely more aware now of just owning it not only just for myself but as as a as a almost like a role model to other people that it's okay we're human you're not going to be perfect all the time. It's how you deal with it that is the important thing Um, because I, I would hate to sort of like preach to people to do one thing if I'm not doing it myself, you know? Or maybe I'm just preaching to myself right now. <laughs> Stop making excuses, Emily. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, Emily, top 10 tips uh, to be a professional musician. So far, we've had learn your instrument, play with as many other uh, musicians as possible, get disciplined and get a routine, have goals, meet as many people as possible, have hobbies and relaxation time, see the bigger picture, record yourself and listen back, not make excuses. And at number one...
1: Be kind! (laughs) As I said, this one is a massive one for me because okay there's many reasons obviously in life you should just be kind and be nice to people because what you put out there you get back i firmly believe that i'm all about karmic things and all that it sounds hippie i don't care it's true i believe i have a nice life because i'm nice to people and ni- people are nice back to me and um it, of course it's not 100 percent of the time but i think if you're going with that intention you're only going to get positive re- results so why wouldn't you In terms of the music industry, the reason that this is important is that the industry is tiny. Everybody knows everybody else. And if you're there being horrible to people or um, like stealing gigs from other people, everyone knows about it and and you're not going to get the call because either you've been sly with people which is never good or you're just not nice to be around nobody wants to be around negative people on a tour you know you are literally stuck say on a bus for three months with people you you don't want to be the person that's going this is all rubbish life is terrible equally people may be really annoyed by how positive i am or (laughs) try to be but i'd rather be be like people be annoyed by that the positive thing than the negative thing so I would say yeah just be nice to people be kind people have been incredibly kind to me um, as I spoke to you earlier about uh, the drum community I can't tell you the amount of drummers and musicians who have helped me when you know it's January and I have no work whatsoever and I will email a drummer and just say hey, so um, I've got no work and I'm really struggling and I don't really know what to do. Can you, like, do you have any tips? Is there anything you can do, like, help me with? And they will send back paragraphs and paragraphs of just, why don't you try this? Don't worry, I've been through exactly the same thing. It's just the way it is, but don't worry. Just keep doing what you're doing. You're doing the right thing. Just, you know, all this amazing supportive thing. And, you know, it's not just one. I I I can't even count how many musicians have been like that. Even from day one, there was this guitarist. When I was 13, I think, I went to go watch, uh, who was it, Westlife. And the reason I went to go watch Westlife, I wasn't particularly a fan, but I had a friend who knew the guitarist, who was a session guitarist in the band, a guy called Tim Maple, wonderful guy. And I basically came to him and was like, I want to do this professionally like you. Um, Can you help me? He said, yeah, cool. Give me your email address. And I was like, okay. Um, And he sent me pages and pages of what I should be doing. Um, Just just, like, he must have spent hours on this thing. And it was my first sort of like um, little nugget of someone just being so generous with their time and their information and, you know. I, I always had this thing oh everyone's going to be very secretive about how you know this is a secret world of being a professional musician no all musicians like I'll tell you everything I know uh. I don't think I've got it sorted but I'll tell you what I've done and it seems to have worked so if it helps for you they great and everyone is just like that they're just so generous and you know you want to meet for a coffee cool let's go for a coffee I'll tell you everything I know I don't necessarily know all the answers but I'll tell you what I've done and it it's just wonderful and that is such a running theme with the music industry generally the musicians you know artists everything like everyone feels like well, I think everyone feels like you're part of this family and we're all just trying to do something that we love and we all want to support each other and push each other up and go, you know, check out this amazing drummer and check out that amazing guitarist and look at this band and that and the other. Have you tried this miking technique? Have you tried that? You know, like we just love to share information and have that connection with other people. So I think if you can be generous, be nice, be kind to Just everyone in life generally is good. That is always going to put you in good stead for anything that you do in your life.
0: And it's something that you've sort of uh, paid back already, you know, and some, by making your own podcast of how people can improve well,
1: uh, yeah that was exactly the feeling behind it so i i did start doing a podcast although i found i found it quite difficult because it's very hard to get feedback on podcasts side note if you're listening to this and enjoying it please leave a review because honestly it's like you're talking to a brick wall isn't it with podcasts you are like, i don't know if people are enjoying this so please leave a review a good review because nathan review. will really a good review nathan will really uh appreciate it. i know that knowing what it's like putting out a podcast But I started doing a YouTube channel as well um, because I wanted to put out there the information that I would have loved to have have had coming at me when I was 11, 12, 13 years old. Um, I just think about the kids that literally don't know anyone that is in this industry and don't have access. You know, I was lucky, I grew up in North London, so I was around musicians and, and I had the opportunities. Some people don't. So I want to be that voice to go, OK, cool. So maybe you should try this, maybe do this. This is what I did. I hope that helps you um, and just share my experiences um, because I think it's so important. And if it can help like one kid or, or one adult, just anyone, just help follow their dream or even just feel like they're not alone because there's very much a feeling of that, I feel, that um, you, know, you do think you're the only one going through stuff. But then you talk to one person, they're like, oh, I had exactly that, you know, back in 10 years ago or five years ago or last week. And and you just go, oh, okay, I must be doing something right if I'm having similar experiences to all these other people. So that was kind of the reason that I started the the YouTube channel. I just wanted to give back. I just, it's, it's, I think there's something so valuable about that. And, and as I say, if it can help one person, because as I said before, I truly believe that drumming saved my life. If I can do that for someone else, I'm done. I'm happy. Life is brilliant. Like, that's that. So, that seems
0: yeah. like a lovely place to end it. Oh,
1: great. <laughs> so
0: looking ahead, uh, where where can people see you in the future? Where can people get more of Emily?
1: Well, <laughs> if you want to get more of me. Um, so I'll be around everywhere playing. And then um, if you want to see where I'm actually going to be, just on any social media, if you look up Emily Drums, you will find me. And you will be sorry, I will not shut up. I will be posting many pictures and albums and all sorts. So, yeah, come and say hello and, and, and drop me an email or, or whatever you want. I love having a chat and, and it's always nice to, to hear when people have listened to these kinds of podcasts so we can have a, a chinwag over email.
0: <laughs> Emily Dolan-Davis, thank you very much for your top ten.
1: Thank you so much, Nathan. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> um, uh...
0: That was Emily. It was fabulous chatting to her. Um, And I finally figured out what to do with Patreon before I went to see Emily. Um, So if you go to patreon.com forward slash my top 10 pod, you will be able to hear a DVD extra. Um, Emily talking about her number one on last week's subject, Chosen by Tin and Dewey which was children's books. So check that out. And while you're there, if you feel like donating a couple of quid, next time I get lost in a field on my way to my hotel room, At least I haven't paid all of the hotel bill. Coming up next week, double the fun as I talk to comedians Roisin and Kiara. Rate, subscribe, social medias, my top 10 pod, blah blah blah. See you next week.